Hey, welcome to the first episode of Tree Thinking. Thanks for checking out the show. On this episode, it's a little different than normal. Usually we have one topic that we dig into. This episode, we're introducing ourselves. We're introducing some of the friends of the show, people that might come on more often. And we kind of bounce around from topic to topic, from person to person. We had a lot of fun doing it. And yeah, we'll dive right in. First, we're going to take care of a little business and then we'll get to it. Hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work. The Tree Thinking Podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, or suitability of any information on this podcast will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse, cited, and or unsighted copies of the content within this podcast by others. The Tree Thinking Podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the Tree Thinking Podcast. What is an arborist? How do you define safety on your crew? What is your strategy for selling tree work? Are trees sentient beings? And why wigs and aerial rescue do not mix? Through a mix of deep dives on individual subjects, getting out and field testing our equipment, and interviews with the people that make up our industry, Tree Thinking will answer these questions and many more as we try to understand the tree world around us on the Tree Thinking Podcast. All right. Everybody, welcome to the first episode of the Tree Thinking Podcast. This is uh, our first episode where a lot of times we would have a topic where we talk about, you know, what is an arborist or get into throw ball or wildlifeing trees or, you know, figure out some of that stuff. This, this episode is going to be a little different. Uh, we're just going to go into introducing uh, who we are and then we're going to go into introducing some of the people that we're going to have on and uh, talk to them a little bit. But to start it out, we're going to introduce ourselves with a little bit of a longer introduction than normal, so you you know who these voices on the other end of the mic are. My name is Andrew Myron. You can find me on Instagram at nwtreeguy. I've been uh, in the industry for about 22 years. Grew up in a family of arborists. Parents started a company, and so... Uh, at growing up, me and my brother were right there learning how to climb when we were little kids, when uh, they would bring equipment home. And uh, so we've been at it for quite a while. But I don't think I really made arboriculture my career probably until I was in my early 20s. Uh, when I graduated from high school, you know, kind of went to went to the community college and, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do when you graduate school and you know, would because my family owned a company, I'd work part time for the company and go to school and, you know, did a little bit of traveling. And once I kind of got a lot of that out of the way, I decided to make this a career. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, let's see. My favorite tree uh, is probably a Doug fir or an Oregon white oak, uh, just because here in Eugene, that that's what I've made a career out of working on. You know, there's so many of them around here and I just feel so comfortable in them. Love those trees. And then the other question for the intro is, how do you climb trees? So I climb trees 
you know, I, I don't really rely just on single rope or double rope. It really depends on the tree. I guess what I'd say is I like to actually climb the tree, you know, when possible, try to not rely on the ropes as much, you know, always be tied in, always have a rope there. But, you know, I, I like to try to actually climb the tree, you know, all those techniques, it, it really are different tools that you put in your toolbox and then you uh, pull out the appropriate tool for the appropriate job. Uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, pass it on to the next <laughs> tree thinker. <laughs> right, so, so my name's Rob Myron. Yeah, you can you can find me at sparrytreecare.com. <laughs> um, so I've been climbing trees for about 20 years. Been a great ride. It's been a lot of um, different kind of angles at it. I, I've been an arborist for uh, the whole time, but for about 15 of those years, I, I've been guiding. So the, it, it's been been a great 20 years of climbing, but I decided to get into arboriculture when I was 17. Or, I mean, 18. No. <laughs> but, uh, Depending on the state. <laughs> well, listeners in. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, my mom My mom asked if I wanted to start working and seemed like a really good decision, which turned out to be true. I Yeah, my life is forever different after deciding to join the family business and had some awesome, awesome people to work with. My brother and Doug Hornaday and Jeff Penny and... A lot of Nathaniel and, uh, you know, a lot of cool people. But I favorite tree, gosh, right now, I, I have lots of different favorite trees. I, I had a silver fir that was my favorite tree. Right now I have a hemlock that's a favorite tree. Um, tomorrow it might be a bedron. You know, it, it mm-hmm. they change a lot for me. But um, I really do resonate most with the probably Douglas firs just because I've spent so much time in them. Um and and really really connected with the furs let's see my climbing techniques i gosh it it's all over the board um but going back to the texas style you know that's that's what i'm climbing right now to be honest with you oh really yeah yeah i mean i that's because i've given all my other gear away (laughs) (laughs) it's all dwindled back down to the texas style But I'm really looking forward to working with you all and, and exploring new climbing techniques and coming up with a new system because, it you know, I, I got into management in the company and kind of lost track of, you know, staying up on the times and climbing techniques. And so I need to need to revisit that and spend a weekend just playing around and getting some new gear. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> right on. And I'll pass it on over Corey. Hey, I'm uh, Corey Shields. You can find me on Instagram at, at shieldco21. I've been working in and around trees for uh, nine years now. Three years of those were working wildland firefighting, and that's kind of where I first got my, my passion for trees and working around trees. And then the uh, last five or so years have been uh, working as a climbing arborist. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. I love it. Absolutely thrilled to be an arborist. Like I, I, I tell everybody... Why you know come in contact with it? Like I, I absolutely love what I do, and I would, I would not rather be doing anything else in the world um, than climbing trees. So it's, uh, it's huge to me. Making arboriculture a career, it was kind of a weird road for me. So I did, I did my undergraduate degree in um, environmental sciences. Sorry, and uh, so I kind of got some exposure to like tree climbing and like tree management and all of that. I kind of stepped away from that when I was doing the wildland firefighting thing, and I kind of got back into it when I worked for a private company. 
working for the private company, it was, it, it ebbed and flowed. Like there were days when I absolutely hated what I was doing just because it was a private company. And then there were days when I was like super thrilled with what I was doing. I wouldn't say that I really settled on arboriculture for a career until I got on with the city. And then I, I was able to kind of relax under the role a little bit more. I wasn't feeling that constant pressure to be, you know, perform. And, you know, I wasn't production arborist as much. It was more doing it for the thrill of it. And that kind of reignited my, my passion for it. So yeah, that's it, it was working for the city that I really was like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't want to be anywhere else besides just climbing trees. Yeah, and then as far as my favorite climbing technique, I I am definitely in the SRT or SRS camp. That's definitely my go-to climbing technique. I'll, I'll still, you know, double rope a tree if it makes sense. Um, I mean, it's it's still a great technique. Um, I'm running, running right now with the rope wrench and then uh, Hitchhiker 2. Um, those are my two, like Hitchhiker 2 I use for double rope and then also for um, so like spar pole work and then the rope runner for, or rope wrench for uh, pretty much everything else. Mm. Yeah, and those are, that's pretty much my go-to for 99% of what I climb, so. Nice. My favorite tree is actually, uh, you mentioned it already, Rob, uh, the uh, Arbutus menziesii, the, the Pacific Madrone. It's just a fantastic tree, uh, very distinctive bark, uh, broadleaf evergreen, which is, you know, pretty rare. You don't see a lot of broadleaf evergreen trees, like gorgeous flowers, and then the berries, like the birds love the berries, and it's just, it's it's a really cool tree. Nice. Uh, so. Yeah, that's my favorite tree, and uh, yeah, just looking forward to kind of what this podcast has to bring, and uh, yeah, learning some stuff. Cool. Great. I am Becca Snowdale on Instagram at rainbow underscore volcano, which someone recently told me doesn't rhyme. (laughs) Um, It's a rude awakening for me, but um, (laughs) I have been uh, in the field, I guess uh, it's been about four years now since I planted my first tree. I'm from Florida, like central Florida too, where you don't really get exposed to the kind of tree stewardship that we do. We are spoiled with here in the <laughs> Pacific Northwest. So I started volunteering at this uh, local nonprofit outfit called Friends of Trees. And I just, oh God, it was the best Kool-Aid I'd ever had. And I just <laughs> <laughs> got so into it that I eventually got an internship, which turned into a, um, a job there. Uh, part-time and then uh, you know with them being a nonprofit, I anyways I segued into working for the city of Eugene here doing some production field work which I honestly thought I was going to hate and be bad at but it turns out that I'm actually like it's even better Kool-Aid just because it just it opens up I I I was like oh wow this is so cool like I like the dirt I like playing with worms I like talking to people and having coffee and and then once I realized you can climb these you know, and, and just like learning more about pruning, really getting into it. That's kind of when I decided, you know, this is my path. Like I, I definitely, it, it makes me come alive to, uh, to be in this industry. And uh, even though it's, it's only been a handful of years, I, I've never felt so passionate and just happy to wake up and go to work every day um, and continue to learn things. And, you know, I just have a lot of great friends and mentors, so. Um, I'm very thankful for that. My favorite tree, <laughs> I don't want to copy anyone, even though you've all said, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, Oregon White Oak, Pacific Madrone, those are all great. So to be original, and it changes on a daily basis, but I'll say something different. I will, I'll go today with the Ginkgo Biloba. 
just because I think they're fascinating. They're living fossils, which most people at this point are aware of. They've been they've been around for hundreds of millions of years, and uh, since it's the winter time, I uh, usually will like to find a nice female ginkgo tree to uh, harvest some stinky fruit from and, um, <laughs> and process it into some tasty edible food. That's a brave venture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but yeah, they, most people find the smell offensive and yeah. putrid, but I think the more you handle them, the, the less uh, revolting they are to you. Mm-hmm. And another thing I always say is like, <laughs> if we can pick up dogs, you know, oh, excrement yeah, yeah. And, and love them, like, why not? You know, love the trees. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, if you've never had the food, it's it's really good. It kind of tastes like edamame. Mm. It's yeah. I'll I'll bring some in next time to share. It's great. So I'm gonna go with that today. Also, those those fan colored, you know, those fan leaves with the with the um just brilliant yellow fall color. It's there. It's a treasure of a tree. So, and for climbing, obviously, it depends on the situation. SRT, I, I, being relatively new to climbing, I do like SRT. Rope walking, you know, that's always good. But obviously, you're not going to put a base anchor in a, you know, 15-foot plum tree. <laughs> 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 so I guess it just depends on what the job is. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm coming into this at a conjecture where there's all these new people coming out with uh, with all this awesome gear and it's pretty easy to sink my teeth into and not have to, it's not super physically demanding and everything's easy to work on. But uh, yeah, I'd say most of what I climb with is SRT. Which is interesting. Like all the new, new climbers are probably learning that like right off the bat. Right. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, That's the first, first time I ever climbed a tree. Actually it was with with Eric DeBoard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He's like, Oh, you want to go up this uh, 300 foot? Old crow, <laughs> <laughs> Doug Fur. I hope you're not afraid of heights. I'm like, I don't think I am. I don't know. Got <laughs> to find out. Yeah, that Turns was your first I'm, climb. I'm not. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Like That's two, a cool first climb. Yeah. Eighty feet up, and uh, Corey was there too. I you know? was. Yeah, there was a death march into into that tree. Too. Truly, yeah, it was a cross country hike. Nice. <laughs> like pretty much up a ninety degree slope. It uh, was yeah. a great time. I think I think you're underselling it a bit. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it was the worst hike of my life. Good thing <laughs> I, <laughs> I brought like a banana that day. Oh, yeah, <laughs> That's right, you did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm still here. Yeah, You're still here. <laughs> cool. Is it on to me? It's on, on to you. you. I think so. All right. I am Jamie Schlittenhart. Uh, I'm on Instagram at modern underscore arb. I've been doing it actually five years this week, so I'm relatively new to the industry. But yeah, this week marks five years of doing it. I started when I moved to Oregon. I'm from North Dakota. Not many trees there, so I didn't know what an arborist was. Moved to Oregon, started landscaping. I remember there was a really slow season. There was no work. And the landscape owner was like, hey, I know this tree guy. He needs a little bit of help. Little did he know that I was going to be hooked and leave that landscaping company <laughs> to go do tree work. You know? So that's when I chose it as a career. It was the first time I saw you know, people up in trees with ropes, like rigging things over houses. I'm like, I need to learn how to do this. So I just worked as hard as I could on the ground and climbed every chance I got. It was usually like, oh, I left a friction saver in the tree. Jamie, you want to go up there and get it? Show me how to do it or whatever. Climbing a a blue spruce or something. (laughs) (laughs) So chose it, stuck to it, love it. Favorite tree. I'm going to go with a specific tree, and it's the big leaf maple that we all know and love. Mm. Um, It's 
it's our wreck climb tree. And the reason it's my favorite one is when I first moved to Eugene, I was like trying to find a wreck climbing tree because I was, you know, into the competitions and I needed to practice. So I just got on my bike and cruised around from park to park. And I just found that one. It was tucked away. It's just this big, beautiful, sprawled out um, big leaf maple. And yeah, that's my favorite tree. We've used it for so many different events from the rescue rally to the fusion video we just made. I mean, to multiple climbs. It's it's an amazing one. Yeah, if you go to Tree Stuff and watch the rescue rally videos, it's scenario two. That tree is the one we (laughs) used. Yeah, an upcoming project. um, You'll see that tree again. And again, and again, and, and again, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most likely. <laughs> yeah. It's like so. Uh, it's a photogenic tree. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like Andrew said when we were climbing last week. He's like, it's like visiting an old friend. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really well, you you've got uh, it's got everything. You got like good long ascents mm-hmm. that aren't affected. You've got sp- you, you can climb from the bottom to the top without touching an descender. Just jumping up, grabbing, and climbing. Mm-hmm. It, it's a Bit of a pain in the butt, but you can, I've done it before. You can do it. And it's got great swings and great limb walks. Yeah. yeah. You know. Before I go on to how I climb, I just wanted to say, so I did residential tree work for what was it, three years, and then I spent the last year working at a municipality with you guys, just how we met. And now I'm back doing uh, contract climbing and working part-time for a small company here. The way I climb trees is every tree is different. I'll, you know. I like mechanical devices. I'd like hitches and I'll approach trees different way. Like, Oh, SRS. Yeah. Okay. Am I going to use canopy anchor, base anchor, moving rope system? Am I going to use a pulley saver, friction saver, mechanical hitch? Like it just, it's completely different for every tree. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> because this is the first episode I figured I would read a couple thoughts that I wrote down just about what we're doing and kind of some of the ideas behind starting a podcast. Tree Thinking is a group of people who are having fun while building a community. We create a podcast, training material, we do gear reviews. We are here to learn from and educate each other. We will do this through sharing stories of good and bad experiences. We will share what works, break down and discard what doesn't, and add what is uniquely our own. The information covers any topic from the tree world that we find interesting. The topics are tree-related, but a good story doesn't have to be. I mean, you know, this is really about just friends hanging out and having a good time. And that's kind of, you know, to break it down, you know, to the lowest common denominator, that's kind of what I came up with. I don't know. Anybody else want to share what they think of, what we're doing here just yeah bringing people together yeah when we get really old it'll be nice to be able to listen to it and remember all our old stories <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i used to be able to do that yeah, exactly as someone who's relatively new personally for me i'm relatively new to a lot of this stuff especially when it comes to climbing and so i find it's really useful to you know have these conversations and, and talk about gear and talk about you know all, how things used to go and so i think if i'm excited that it could be a good resource for someone just kind of getting into it and uh, not well, to be super intimidated by all the the overwhelming amount of things that there is to yeah. know yeah and <laughs> i would say keep your mind open you know we so this is our first episode we've recorded a couple other ones 
And, you know, I've been doing it for 22 years and I'll be working and I'll start doing something that we've covered and I'll start thinking about that. And I've used tricks we've talked about or changed something, you know, so I, I don't think it's just if you're new. I mean, if you keep an open mind and you're always trying to get better, the the industry is always evolving. And so we got to keep up with it if you want to stay relevant, you yeah. know, if you're yeah. not if you're not learning, you're dead. I mean, that's, that's the only time you stop learning. <laughs> that's the truth. All right, so uh, at this point, we'd usually go into the topic, but like I was saying earlier, this is the introduction episode, and so we're going to introduce a couple of the uh, people that we will have on the podcast. We're going to bring on Dan Krause, Scott Altenhoff, and Eric DeBoard. Dan, he'll be joining us on a regular basis and kind of just kind of giving us some information to talk about from the field, from a climber's perspective. Altenhoff... And he's a jack of all trades. He's really a pioneer in the industry. He has uh, done a little bit of everything, it seems like. And I, it sounds like he wants to focus at least initially on kind of more wildlife, the interaction between animals and trees and where we fit into all that. And then Eric will come on and we're just going to chat with him a little bit and he's going to get into some of the uh, tree news. That'll be kind of what he focuses on. Uh, so without further ado, guys, let's bring in Dan Krause and, and get to know him a little bit and talk about tree climbing. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, we're joined by Dan Krause. Uh, he has been doing tree work for 30 years. Uh, he started out in Hawaii for the last 22 years. He's been in Seattle. He's been, he's done a lot of really cool stuff. I've been to, if you have an opportunity to go to one of his classes on the throw ball and watch him manipulate a throw ball around, it is uh, mind boggling sometimes. <laughs> but I think probably the, the thing that Dan is known for, I don't know about the most, but quite a bit is the 2005 world champion of tree climbing. So uh, yeah, welcome Dan. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Excellent. Still in my work clothes. Still got my uh, chainsaw pants on. Nice. Awesome. nice. Ready to go at a moment's notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, we'll uh, we'll start out. So this is the first episode of the Tree Thinking Podcast. And uh, so we're having some people on so we can kind of introduce them. These are going to be some people that come on the show on a regular basis. So we're going to kind of to help people understand who we are, we're going to ask everybody some of these questions. Um, and the first one is, when did you make arboriculture your career? Um, that, yeah, I didn't have an epiphany or anything um, like my wife did. But um, I, my father is a, owns a tree care company. Oh, okay. So, uh, so it's forced labor as a kid <laughs> yeah. when I was in high school. Me and Rob, and, uh, but he that. still paid well. You know, he, he didn't give me a choice whether I wanted to work or not, but but he paid well. And then, uh, and then I worked for him while I was going to college, and so I worked part time for him. And then when I finished college, I started working for him full time, and. Um, about halfway, about, I guess I was about 20, 19 or 20 when he let me uh, start climbing. I was just working on the ground and he didn't want to invest the time and energy to teach me to climb because I was a college student and 
whatnot. And um, finally, let me climb. And I loved it right off the bat. So it was kind of an epiphany. I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and then I was, I was so done with college. By the time I was done with college, I just wanted to do tree work and stop being broke all the time. <laughs> and so, so I just started working for my dad full time. <clears throat> Sweet. Yeah. Me and Rob were in a similar boat. You know, we, we both come from uh, the, our family have has a tree company as well, and so we're, for us, we were climbing trees with uh, ropes and harnesses. Yeah, you know, I think I was what eight and ten, something like that, right, Rob? Oh, we were climbing the cherry tree in the backyard. Yeah, gosh, long, long time ago. So, did your dad have you climb with climbing gear as a kid? No, I climbed fruit trees. It was in Hawaii, so uh, he did have me climbing fruit trees. I remember. Because the fruit trees are big in Hawaii, and so he had me getting out there and getting fruit trees, but not all the harness stuff. It was kind of, <laughs> yeah, it was before kids' harnesses and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, um, we didn't have a kids' harness. They just like put it on the small cinches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you start sliding, grab on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish I had something because then I could have been a lot more bolder. You, you know, if you, you think, you, oh, well, if I fall, I'm not going to die, then you can really get out there, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I started, it was uh, in Hawaii at the time, maybe early 80s, somewhere around there, was uh, it was spikes. We climbed with spikes all the time. And I remember just the tiniest tree I was climbing. And I had these big old spikes on, and it was just <laughs> so cumbersome and in the way, and it would have been so much easier without spikes. But it's just weird how you just do what you're told this is the way you do it. Yeah, it, it's yeah. we've we've all been uh, in the industry at an amazing time to watch the growth that's happened. You know, to go from spikes to the crazy single rope techniques that people are climbing on now—it's mind blowing. Yeah. So yeah. So Dan, back in Hawaii, what uh, what do you think your favorite tree in Hawaii is? Definitely the monkey pod. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the monkey pod because people, when I say monkey pod here, they think that it's similar to the monkey puzzle, Not but it's all. nothing like the monkey puzzle They're at all. Like, Are no, you it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Monkey pod's kind of like a like, kind of like a live oak ish, okay. cool. but wow. it's tropical. It's uh, you know it's it's great to climb. It's uh, and it's and it's uh, compartmentalizes really well, so you can really cut on it, and you're not going to get rot. and And people love to just bling them out and thin them out, and they just look super cool. Nice. nice. How, how big do they get? Uh, they don't get that high. They only get, say, maybe 60 feet high, but then they get, like, hundreds of feet wide. They just Whoa, uh, so super nice. wide. Yeah. That's awesome. They got to change your tie-in point a lot. You got to move your tie-in point around a lot. A whole lot of But redirects. they don't have suckers. You know, they don't have a lot of suckers. They have these big open crotches, and so it's really easy to throw your line around. In fact, when I was practicing throw line, I would practice in those, and um, you could get it, the throw line to travel through the tree 
pretty easily, you know, just go right through the tree and out to the other side and not have to worry about getting stuck in suckers and things like that. So, okay. um, did you, yeah, so did you I had to, yeah. I'm sorry. Did you compete what? in Hawaii at all? I know they have a few competitions down there. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I started competing was in Hawaii in, uh, um, like the late eighties, I guess, early nineties. No, probably early nineties, Okay, early nineties. I started in Hawaii, a uh, much different competition. And, you know, we didn't even have the throw line or the footlock back then. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> so I always think of the banyan tree yeah, when I think of Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. You know, been there a couple times on vacation, and I always see those big trees, and I'm like, man, I'll, I'll bet I could get to the top. I don't need a harness. I'm just going, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Those ficuses, it's just like climbing a rock wall. You yeah. can just, yeah. just climb right up those trunks. It's, it's, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and they're, they're good money makers for tree companies there because they grow so fast all year round and people want them reduced. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of, a uh, lot of reduction cuts. So, so that's uh, number one reason I credit myself learning how to climb well is, those trees are kind of hard. You got to get out on the ends to do these reduction cuts. You got to cut back to green and you got to not break the green you've already cut. Mm-hmm. And you've got to make a, you've got to make a circle. So you're kind of in a big tree and you got to get out there and you got to, you know, figure out where this curvature is. So you don't have this funny looking thing at the end. And so it's, it's kind of challenging climbing. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Speaking of climbing, Dan, what's your what's your favorite access technique? How do you how do you climb a tree? Um, I you know nowadays I mostly single line into the tree, um, but I still actually have a prusik on my um, saddle, which kind of dates me as a dinosaur. You still got prusik cord. You actually still <laughs> foot walk into a tree, but. If I have a short shot, I don't bother anchoring it down and putting on all the gear. I like to just throw my prospect on and lock up and just start get going. Nice. That's how I do it too. It, you know, if yeah. in the right situation, I look, you know, everybody debates the single rope, double rope, and I look at it as two different tools in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't yeah. favor one or the other. You should use whatever tool works best in that situation, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. me too. That kind of segues us into our next question, which is uh, what kind of gear are you wearing nowadays, aside from the old Prusik? And is there anything new? That's- well, I am, if anyone knows me, I've got that uh, seat. I like the seat instead of the leg straps mm-hmm. the, the on seat. my saddle. Yeah, that the, batten the seat. Mm. Boats and seats. And so I have, uh, that's what I've been climbing with forever. I won the world championships in that thing. Everybody laughs at it, (laughs) but I like it. It's comfortable. I can sit in it and, um, I don't feel a pinch in my legs. What kind of harness? uh, Right now I'm climbing at the Petzl. I think it's the Petzl edge. Okay. And it's got, uh, with the, uh, with the seat option. Nice. Does it have the suspenders? No, this one does. I think you can attach them on okay. there. I think you could attach them, but I, I don't use the senders. 
sometimes I wish I had the attachment points when I'm doing, say, a removal and I got a heavy saw on. I'm kind of, yeah. I think, you know, it kind of it's slides down a bit. I don't have that big a hip. So, have you tried out the new still 500i? No, everyone's talking about that. Have you guys been using that? I haven't, no. I, well, did is no? that the one you sent up to me on that big fur around the corner? Uh, no, we just actually got them okay. a couple months ago. We Yeah, we picked up a couple of them, and we, we uh, even ported one of them out with the aftermarket muffler. Nice. And it's like a hot rod chainsaw that weighs like nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. it, it's amazing. It's barely heavier than the, the 261. Oh, wow. But it has the power of wow. like a 390. Nice. Wow. wow! Yeah, it's it's an incredible saw, and it, it's fuel injected, and um, just the starting and stopping, uh, you know, switches everything. It's an amazing saw. Nice. Right on. Yeah, I'll have... oh, I gotta get one. Yeah, oh, yeah, I keep hearing about them, and every time it's like, oh man, one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> worth, worth every penny. Worth yeah. every penny. All right. So. Uh, one of the things we are going to have you on here doing is kind of bringing up a topic that we can all kind of get into. Uh, what you got for us this week? Well, um, comes to mind, I was just doing it today, is the Senate. Oh, and yeah. so uh, I am on my second set of them. I had uh, a couple years ago, I had the first set, and... You know, you love them, you love them, and then they start messing up. And and then uh, and then I heard about the new sets, and I was like, okay, we'll get these new sets. They got this mesh, and and they're supposed to be better. And we got them, and and now they're messing up. Today I had a I don't know if you guys use them, but I I had a bunch of crackling going on in my yeah yeah we were just and, dealing with that this week. Yeah, we our crew uses them all on the on the the crew, and we were dealing with crackling. One of our guys, I think his mic went out, or maybe it was his connection point, and it was just it was awful. It, it, I think it's when the rain gets into the the microphone, it just gets out of control. I've actually started tucking mine up in my hard hat, which people are always like, "It's hard to hear you," and it's like, "Yeah, but it doesn't ever start crackling on me." Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I had some problems. really because all ours are up in our hard hats. Okay. So we don't even have our mics out. So, and uh, but it definitely, I think it's a water thing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. The attachment points too have those two prongs that yep. fit just so into the the two. And I've noticed on on the part that you click it onto mm-hmm. the back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's and the other thing. Super easy to break if you're even just disconnecting and reconnecting it for whatever reason. It's and so mine at on the crew at the city is. The you know, I have electrical tape around it. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I did? I my One of my ears was going on and off. It, you know, I, I could only get, I could only hear out of one ear. Mm-hmm. And um, I took a little twig and jammed it down the uh, clip on the back that holds the battery onto the unit. Oh. And, and mm-hmm. that, that makes it to where it won't come off, too. So if you jam the twig between the little <laughs> clip on the back, then uh, mm-hmm. th- then the both sides worked fine. And and I've never had mine fall off. Nice. Tree thinking pro tip right there. Yeah. Shove a little <laughs> stick in it. That is harvest tricks right there. Yeah. <laughs> the go-to fix for tree guys, yeah. right? Yeah, we got plenty of little twigs. Yeah. <laughs> Work with what you got. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I just ordered a couple for my personal use, and 
they've yet to arrive, but I'm, I'm like partially excited about it. It does make things a lot safer and more efficient. Yeah. More fun know, too. Like, oh, but yeah. It, it does, like you're saying, it comes with its own set of frustrations because it's, you know, it's just like any piece of technology. Yeah. I find it's, you know, we're, we're our best. Yeah. You get that. You get to, you get to thinking, well, how could I, how could I have done this crane job without these? Well, what did we do back in the day? You yeah. know, it's just so nice. But then when they mess up, it's it's just frustrating because there's, yeah, I you know, I don't know how to fix it. You know, it's not like I can take it apart and, and figure it out. Yeah, it's just like, why? So the only thing, one thing, it has those copper connection points. Yeah. And... I was wondering, because they seem to be getting corroded, and I was wondering if anyone knows what's the best way to clean those without damaging them. I was thinking maybe that is part of the problem. I assume you would just take baking soda. I know that's how you clean a battery, but I don't know. Baking if that would, soda. I don't know if that would corrode yeah, the copper. I was thinking like a, like a toothbrush and some baking soda. I, w- I would assume so. I would probably google that first before you (laughs) (laughs) take my advice on that but that's how i try to clean it Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah yeah so so how do you connect if if you have a crew with you know three or four do you have a a go-to way to connect them it seems like there's a couple ways sometimes you kind of you know two people pair then the next two people the next two people you do a chain some people everybody pairs with one person and then y'all have you found a way to uh make that work because that seems you know, semi uh, black magic to try to connect yeah, more than two or like three changes yeah. day to day. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, we we just did it when we first set up. We we all paired, and you know, it took us half an hour to be like, okay, <laughs> now you got to turn yours off. And yeah. like, I got to turn mine off. You know, we just wasted but half our then, power hour. <laughs> <laughs> since then, we just turn them on. Uh, on our cruise, we just turn them on and, and they all kind of connect, except now it's messing up. So now it's, yeah. it's kind of moving them around and stuff like that. But usually we just turn them all on and, and press the connect button in the center. And That's pretty nice. Connect. We work with different people. So it's like every morning everyone stands around with like their oh, hands on their hips. Right. And like, yeah. okay. we're, we're constantly Is this how we do it? Is this how we do it? I wonder <laughs> what people passing by must think. We have all yeah, this heavy equipment and all this standing PD. There. We're just, just <laughs> hitting ourselves in the back of the head. <laughs> maybe, maybe this one will work this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, I think you said it perfect when they work, you know, you're, you, you're thinking, how the heck did I do this crane job without this? Yeah. And then there's yeah. those moments when it fails and just everything goes into chaos. It's like <laughs> the whole job shuts down. This person's trying to pair with that person. Now they're trying to, you know, it, it, it's yeah. you know, the, the curse yeah. and gift of technology. <laughs> and you forget who's hooked up and who's not. So yeah. you're like, hey, God! And then Jeff's like, I can hear you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, sweet. Thank you so much for coming on, Dan. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. I, I look forward to doing it again, and we'll, we'll do it real soon. Um, and, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, this is the introduction episode. So, uh, welcome to tree thinking. 
Okay. I'm going to try that baking soda. Next time I'll tell you how it works. <laughs> All right. Hopefully it doesn't blow up the batteries. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right on. Take care. Have a good night. Talk Have to you soon. Night. Thanks, Dan. Bye. All right, that was uh, that was great catching up with Dan. Uh, you know, he's he's been all over the place. Started in Hawaii. He's done competitions all over the world, and uh, so it's great to get his opinion and have him on the podcast. Yeah. What was your Senna pun earlier? <laughs> oh, was it? Uh, don't be so cynical. Cynical. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that was sensational. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Corey's face right oh, now. They, they can. The camera's rolling right <laughs> now. Oh, is it? Perfect. Yeah. It's goddamn oh puns. It's pretty punny. <laughs> <laughs> One more goddamn pun, I swear. <laughs> nice. Yeah, did you guys know Dan Krause has rescued over a thousand cats from trees? I believe it. I, do. I, I read I'll, that about him. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I'll I have would. to ask him sometime. But. He wrote cats on Wikipedia. <laughs> it was uh, on his website, actually. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't being creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he's been a, a cat rescue guy for a long time, on top of everything else he does, you know. That's the wholesome work, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice. Right on. Well, uh, speaking of wholesome work, yeah, yeah. Speaking of wholesome work, uh, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, here we go with Scott Altenhoff. Uh, Scott Altenhoff has been an arborist for thirty years. Uh, he lives here in Oregon, uh, and really, he's been a pioneer in our industry. Uh, he's he's really built great networks of arborists. You know, it's uh, I consider myself lucky enough to be one of those arborists within the network. Um, and he's uh, looking at shifting uh, some of his focus to now focusing on wildlife in trees and that kind of relationship. It's not just the tree, it's the, the critters that call that tree home. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into that conversation a little bit here. Um, but first, we got some questions for you, Scott. Sounds good. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be taking part in this discussion. Yeah, well, and welcome to the the first episode of Tree Thinking. I should say that, too. This will be the first one, and uh, we definitely wanted to have you as a guest on the first episode. I, I know you and me have been talking for years about doing a, a tree-related podcast, so uh, this is really cool to have the, uh, the record button glowing and you and me going back and forth. <laughs> Long-standing dream come true. Yep. All right. So uh, the first question: uh, When did you decide? When did you decide to make arboriculture your career? Well, I was studying at the U of O, and I was neck deep in books. I remember writing a term paper in the library, and just thinking, "How did I get myself here?" And I remember looking out into the lawn at the University of Oregon and seeing some groundskeepers working on trees. And I just realized I would so much rather be out there uh, doing what they're doing than doing what I'm doing. At that point, I was working a lot on doing tree work, but not in a uh, constant sense. Uh, it was more akin to landscaping. But I remember distinctly at that point go, saying to myself, I really need to learn about that realm and um uh that's where i want to be so uh that was a, a turning point for me and um after that i was able to i at that point i was doing small very small tree 
pruning uh, from the ground and ladders and such and uh, fruit tree work. But um, I had the chance to take part in a cone collection contract where we were hired to collect conifer cones uh, various, of various species, chug fir and ponderosa pine and larch and what else, uh, hemlock and some cedar cones as well for the Warm Springs Indian Reser Reservation in Central Oregon. And it just blew my doors off. Um, I was just astounded at how much fun I was having and how the, the physical exertion was, I was so drained every night after climbing for 10 hours, but <laughs> so jazz. I, I know every working arborist knows that feeling where you're exhausted, but exhilarated. Uh -huh. and, oh yeah. Um, and then I started to really delve into the science of tree care, um, the biology and ecology of trees and forests. And um, that was almost 30 years ago. So here I am today. Here we are. What was the uh, the style of climbing when you were cone collecting? Excellent question. At that point, it was uh, double rope technique uh, using, uh, I don't even know if they make Arborplex anymore, using the Blake hitch uh, hadn't been uh, widely, uh, I, I think uh, some folks knew about it, but I certainly didn't. I was uh -huh. still using the hotline hitch and um, climbing up, uh, doing uh, a lot of fur climbing, unfortunately. Um, at that time, it was still kind of uh, more widely uh, utilized. And um, I remember being so mortified when I learned that, oh, that's, that's not appropriate and uh, made the switch there. So a combination of... Uh, double rope technique and spur climbing. Yeah, that that's just kind of how the evolution goes. We were just talking to Dan, and he was saying the same thing. You know, he started about 30 years ago, and he was talking about how all the trees that they did back then, it was all spurs. They'd be going up like a little nothing tree and slap the spurs on and yeah. just go up it, you know. it's uh, My comment to him was, it, we've been lucky to to work in this time where, it, where we got to watch the industry grow up so much, you know. Uh, I know... I, for I know for me and Rob and I probably just about everybody at this table. I think you've been pretty influential in uh, teaching us new techniques as they've come out. You know, I, you introduced us to throw ball and to uh, a single rope technique. You know, we at Sperry we had those a uh, set of ascenders, but it was just mm -hmm. like old Jumars, and we knew how to use yeah. them. But if you don't have a throw ball, so you're setting your line with a pull saw, you're not going to then set up ascenders and yeah. ascend up 30 feet or, or not even 30, you know, 20 feet, you know? Uh, so, right. You know, it, it's been, it's been great to, uh, to be part of that and watch that evolution. And then our next question sure is, has. uh, what is your favorite tree? Good question. I have so many of them. Um, I, I'm guessing you mean species of tree or, particular tree specimen of tree so i left these questions pretty vague because i want you to be able to take it in whatever direction you want to go with it gotcha i um, i'm sure you folks can all 
uh, it's like picking your favorite song. It's so hard. I love different <laughs> species for different reasons and changes each week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, different moods and stuff. Um, There's no wrong answer though. I yeah. All right, boy, all right. How about uh, this? If you could climb one tree now, what would it be? Gotcha. So the most mind-boggling tree I've climbed was a giant sequoia in the Sierras that was 260-some uh, feet tall that had a cavity about 250 feet up the trunk that I was able to poke inside of and then repel down. It was like a huge grain silo, completely hollow inside, down to likely the base, uh, ground oh, wow. level. Wow. I went down about 100 feet, and then I started getting <laughs> worried about <laughs> confined space entry. But uh, so I didn't poke down, um, but it was uh, incredible. And I have a fond spot for sure for giant sequoias, and uh, that partic- particular tree was just uh, incredible. You know, not everybody can say that they've gone caving in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you showing me photos of that. That's crazy. That was tremendous. All right. Well, we've uh, talked a lot about climbing techniques. How do you climb trees? Like, what's your favorite access technique today? Well, uh, for smaller stature trees, uh, basically from so what uh, twenty-five to uh, one hundred and sixty feet tall, um, as you guys all uh, folks all know, um, I've. Uh, contrived a slingshot which is basically a compound slingshot with a spinning reel mounted onto it and I use a ounce and a half projectile uh, basically a nylon bag with lead shot or I actually uh, prefer to use nickel shot because it's non-toxic and uh, heavier than the, the lead so I use that and I launch them up and uh, that's my preferred technique. I can just get a straight shot and uh, it affords so much control and especially working around wildlife in contrast to a throw ball, which you have a, a much larger projectile and heavier line. It's, uh, I find it to be lower impact when working around uh, delicate areas. So wildlife or even pedestrians or cars or windows uh, structures that could be damaged by a throw ball if something went wrong. Yeah, a small little um, one-ounce. Or a branch. Yeah, small, yeah. small little one-ounce shot isn't going to shatter a windshield <laughs> if something <laughs> went wrong. <laughs> so, exactly, and uh, they've even had, I've even had them fall on folks and people and it doesn't hurt and not, not a major issue. I, I, uh, I remember when you first showed me the, the Scott shot it uh <laughs> that's what it's called now yeah that's it's what it, that's what i've always known it for since what 2000 or 2001 whenever we started working together uh it, i remember we're sitting on lunch and we're sitting next to this big fur and there's a little piece of deadwood coming off the fur probably 115 feet up and we're sitting there and scott's all 
Look at that little piece of deadwood. Imagine if your your whole the only job was to get that piece of deadwood. I was like, yeah. He's like, how would you get it? I was like, well, I'd you know get my line up there and run up there real quick and get it. And he pulls his little Scott shot out. He pulls it back and shoots a line right over it and just pulls it and breaks it all in about two minutes. Awesome. And just like, all right, dude. <laughs> Can't so, compete with that. You know? <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. So, hey, Scott, what, what kind of harness are you climbing on these days? Uh, right now, um, I am using a, a Petzl Sequoia. Nice. Nice and uh, light. SRT, yeah. And um, I've just gotten used to it. And um, I appreciate the tie-in points and the configuration, and um, it's what I've gotten used to, and, and light and compact and fairly durable. And um, uh, I must admit, I haven't played around a lot with various other harnesses. Had a, um, I'm just blanking. Uh, sorry, mental lapse at the end of a long day. Uh, Right there I, with I you. can see it and butterfly. Sorry. Oh yeah. Um, what's the manufacturer? Help me here, guys. I'm not familiar oh, with that butterfly. I, it's not yeah. So uh, and uh, like that too. But what I I do appreciate. It's not a new tribe, is it? Head, no, it is the uh, an English. Uh, uh, from the UK. Gosh, I climbed on one of those a long time ago, and I can't. I'm, I'm drawing a blank as well. Edelrid, climb. Good. I'm glad I'm not the. Uh, hey, Jamie, could a, you Google that real quick? <laughs> 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 Hold it up. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got our own, Jamie. <laughs> I've got cat jackets, walking harness. <laughs> Is that what you mean? Not quite like Joe Rogan's Jamie. Just count Jamie. The Comet Butterfly 2. Is that Com- what it is? Yeah. Comet. 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 Comet okay. with a, cat. Yeah. a cat harness. Oh, he pulled it out. He pulled it out. <laughs> I would hope you're not Fair climbing enough. on a cat harness. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is really small. Yeah. They are plaid. You know, 30 years ago when you were just getting off spurs, it was a whole different industry. <laughs> really kind of finding our own way. <laughs> um. <laughs> and you're still climbing. Yeah, I, I have been. Uh, very fond of it, um, especially when using a big saw, having the the weight of the saw dispersed on my shoulders with the um, the shoulder pieces, and also having a high entire uh, higher tie-in point. Uh, I've just kind of gotten used to that, and uh, I've been climbing on single rope, as you folks know, for the vast majority of my career. Uh, the early days, I was one of the only people I knew uh, who were doing so and the oddity. Now it's become commonplace. It takes a while for uh, things to catch on, but I'm glad it finally did. Oh, yeah. I I couldn't imagine doing it without it now. (laughs) It blew my mind when you showed us it the first time. It was, like, totally foreign. Yeah. And now it's it's almost, I would say, more people do single rope than double rope. You know, it, it, it's yeah. the tables have turned and it's crazy. Yeah. I remember seeing a video, I think it was climbing arborist. It was someone hip thrusting up a tree and then someone rope rock, rope walking. It's like, thank God for innovation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> thank goodness for no Scott Altenhoff. Yeah. <laughs> wow, so well, Scott. they say that necessity is the mother of invention. Right. 
and that might be true, but laziness is the father. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Takes both. That's great. Right on. And so- Yeah, I just remember my upper body. My I, I used to be pretty ripped upper body because I was doing all double rope. And then uh, once single rope came along, uh, work smart, not hard, uh, whenever possible. Uh, those are uh, wise words right there. Indeed. Um, but we have you on to talk a little bit about uh, wildlife and trees and kind of that relationship between trees, uh, us working in trees, and the critters that live in those trees. And uh, you want to get into that a little bit? You bet. Um, so uh, when I first started climbing, uh, I was doing cone collection. It was for reforestation. And I got to uh, know and climb a lot with Steve Sillett, a canopy biologist. And I was very fortunate that he turned me on to the broad array of organisms that depend on trees, so arboreal ecosystems. And um, I've always had a uh, fondness for critters and um organisms that can't speak for themselves. So um, always enjoyed doing work, tree work that helps that web of life. And um, here in Eugene, we have an awesome organization called the Cascade Raptor Center. And for the last 15, 16, 17 years, I've been helping them. And it's some of the most rewarding work that I do. Um, I know you've all had those times where you're you have to rig a tree and you're just not centered and you're just not your mind isn't focused and you're not uh and it's so hard to rig and work under those conditions it's like swimming upstream but what i find when i'm doing wildlife rescue work or work on behalf of birds and wildlife is i i just find this righteous spot and I've made shots that I still don't know how I made just by um, okay uh, focusing and setting that um, clear and positive intention I'm just kind of okay this is for this organism uh, depends on me to do this I'm I'm doing the right thing and I'll make the most impossible shots I'm like, how did I do that that's incredible and it just uh, it's totally I love it because it's egoless work it's work that is benefiting someone or something else and uh, uh, I, I think most of you have helped me uh, or helped the Cascade Raptor Center now do that sort of work and I'd be curious to get your hit on that too uh, I personally I would agree with it uh, last time I worked out there with you I remember I was removing four or five uh uh, fir trees and it was uh part of it is you know there was just big spots that I could drop it but it was one of those jobs where I you I felt like I was in the zone where the like the branches are just dropping right where you want to go every movement has purpose mm-hmm. and you crush it and then we were doing wildlife snags on all of them and so I did like three or four wildlife snags in that day and they all came out I like my uh wildlife snag game went up a level that day. Hmm. And uh, part of it was because I had you there, Eric was there, you know, Than was there, and we were all working close enough. So as I was doing it, I was able to stop and ask questions. And then uh, mm-hmm. I think 
I think it was you that was like, you know, I just try to do my best to recreate what happens naturally. And so I pulled out my phone and I Googled a broken trunk and uh, just pulled up a bunch of images and then looked at that. And that's when I started cutting in at, at these different angles and creating, uh, you know, instead of just having a top at an angle and putting jagged marks on it, I started cutting like multiple V's into it to try to create channels and uh, lightning strikes and so, you know, I've never really thought about it as, you know, being related to working there and kind of giving charity and it, it being a selfless thing. But uh, honestly, that time that we worked together there up my game when it came to making wildlife stubs. And now it's one of my favorite things to do, you know. So I would 100% agree. Yeah. I joined you there a couple of weeks ago. I saw you in that, in that zone, in that mindset, tackling that giant ponderosa. I just worked a full day and go run up to see Scott. <clears throat> you almost had that thing knocked out, but you were up there all day long. And then, uh, yeah, the sun's setting and you're like, Hey, would you go take care of that fur? And yeah, you just feel it. And you're like, okay, yeah, no problem. Went and did, did a fur. Um, yeah. Rewarding work for sure. By the way, I saw pictures from that pine tree sky. Yeah. You're a maniac. Yeah. I think you told me you were on a cabbage diet too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I've never had bi I've had bilateral both sides, uh, simultaneous cramping in my legs uh-huh. before, uh, from running, um, long distance running, but I've never had, I've had cramps in one arm or the other, or one hand or the other, that tree, I was so spent at the end of the day, I was, uh, climbing up and I just got these simultaneous cramps, uh, in both arms. <laughs> oh, I've been spending too much time in the office. Time to yeah. There was no joke. I showed up and again. I was like, "Oh, this is all getting done today." You know, the sun's going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we've all been on those jobs. <laughs> that was a monster tree too. It had like three, three leads. That pond. Uh, yeah, at least Scott incredible. would know. Yeah. Yeah. What, how many leads did that that uh, pine tree have, Scott? A million and a half. I think it had five, uh, five major leads, and unfortunately, there was no central tie-up no, point of course not. Uh, that I could get, so I had to climb each one individually, and they were structurally suspect, uh, so wow. uh, it went much slower than um, oh. many of the leads had uh, conks uh, as I was climbing up. And it, no there no was still spurs some, either. <laughs> yeah oh yeah, yeah. No spurs. <laughs> Did it without spurs Boy, yeah. cut out a different cloth <laughs> mm-hmm. what what are some other examples of the wildlife uh uh habitat stuff that you were thinking of so um i i really the habitat uh the snag creation is super rewarding because uh I've seen so many trees now for 20 years, uh, kind of the case studies and getting the chance to come back and see woodpeckers and then secondary uh, organisms occupying cavities and such mammals, small mammals and everything. Uh, so that's a really fun thing to, to do the work. And it starts off and you're wondering, boy, is something going to take to that? And, uh, I've had a couple of trees where I thought, oh, that was that was a failure. 
And just about the time I thought, ah, oh, nothing's going to use it, the next day or next week or uh, something like that, I see a pileated on it and just, oh, it did work. Yes, yes. So do you um, remember at Cottonwood Tree, I think it was north of Eugene, uh, kind of northeast of Eugene along a river that you you built a osprey nest for when you worked at Sperry. Do you remember that tree? Is that at the back yes, of I a do. Big, so for years, I took care of that osprey nest. They had us come out every year. And, I, you know, it was one of those jobs where 90% of the time I got to go out and I would trim the sprouts on it. I'd climb right up to the nest and I'd trim the sprouts so that they wouldn't grow up and the birds would have access to the nest still. And I did that for years. And then uh, the trunk rotted down and then broke out of the tree and the whole nest came down. And then I brought that oh, nest wow. back up into the tree the next year. And, uh, you know, the, the guy was so committed to it that he brought it to his welder buddy, re-welded it, re-secured everything. And then I climbed it back up there and secured it. And uh, I have no idea. You know, now I work for the city, so I have no idea whatever happened to it. But, hmm. you, you know. Oh, I, I haven't heard anything, so I'm, I'm not sure we'd have to ask Asa. Yeah, we'll have um, to get into that a little bit. One of the things that we uh, are going to do with this podcast is we're probably going to have a series of wildlife episodes. So, uh, Absolutely. you know, to be honest, I think I'm going to wrap this up uh, and we will we will pick up some of the, a series of wildlife episodes. I know we all know a few people that have uh, done some awesome work in the realm and it'd be great to uh, get them on, interview them and kind of learn different techniques and get that word out there. I've got one mm -hmm. quick question before we, we stop, uh, Scott. I was climbing a really big fir tree once, and the top of the tree was similar to um, this coir you're talking about, where the whole uh, top of it was hollow. It's a big old growth tree, probably yeah. 280 feet tall. And um, so it had a big hollow top, and it would fill up with water, and it was really moist. And even even in, you know, times when everything was dry in the I forest, know going with this. Um, you know, there would be a lot of moisture up there. And about 30 feet maybe from the top of the tree there was a dead a dead stub that had kind of hollowed out and it would drip water yeah. even in the middle of the summer because there's like a big water oh, reservoir wow. at the top of the tree that would just slowly drip out of the, st the stub and i i climbed up to the little stub one day and and inspected inside of it i don't know why i climbed up and looked inside the stub at like 250 feet up but um <laughs> There were there were two slugs, like like five inch long slugs, that were in the stub. Have you ever heard of a canopy slug? Wow, um, I've seen some slugs. Uh, I can't even. I know in the redwoods I have. Um, oh really? Not in, not in Western Oregon, or not in the Cascades. But uh, in the coast, I down low, but nothing like what you're describing. That's pretty cool. It it really was. I I, I was amazed when I saw it, and I, I even took pictures of it. And then, uh, and I thought about taking a specimen, but I, I said no, I'm not going to do that. You know, that's that's unethical. But um, but the computer that the pictures were on the hard drive went out and. It, it's I don't have any proof anymore, but into the ether. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing, and gotcha. I I thought, gosh, I might have found a new species or something. You know? 
the uh, well, you, you the Rob Myron um, red slug of are... the canopies. <laughs> yeah. Here, go, go ahead, <laughs> and Scott. And I certainly found um, uh, in redwoods the um, clouded salamanders and, and uh, in situations like that where there's perennial moisture and then mm-hmm. uh, red tree voles in um, uh, not-so-moist areas but old branch um, points that have hollowed out and um, have critters in them now. So good on you, man. Yeah, it was cool. It's the only time. I mean, I've climbed a lot of big trees, and I've never seen a slug up there before. So it's the only time I did, and it was a very specific environment with the way that that water reservoir was up there, and it stayed moist. And um, maybe I I might have to climb back up there and see if I can find them. (laughs) (laughs) The hunt for the red slug. (laughs) Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, Scott, thank you so much for uh, coming on the first episode. Uh, you know, it, w- it was definitely, you were one of those people that we had to have on the first episode, so I'm glad we did it. Thanks for teaching grateful us single rope. Be, uh, yeah. Part of this. Yeah, grateful to be part of this community. Uh, so proud of everything that's going on, and um, I would just urge those folks who are listening to really uh, plug in in your local communities, you will, the most rewarding tree work that you will undertake, mark my words, is tree work that you do pro bono for free just because it's a noble cause and on behalf of uh, arboreal organisms, so wildlife. So my challenge to you all is to figure out how you can plug in, whether it's helping uh, enhance bird habitat or arboreal habitat or doing rescues um mark my words you'll you'll never regret it so thank you everyone awesome thanks scott thank you all right uh that was great having scott on he's uh he's really done it all and it's great to see someone that uh is so humble and really is putting so much energy into like as being as positive as you can in the industry and uh, just thinking about it from a different way. He really is one of those people that's doing it his own way. The way he's using, you know, he's designing his own slingshot and weights yeah, and has been doing it for 20 years, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just outside the box all the way. Yeah. It's almost like the manifest manifestation of what we want to try to do with the podcast, right? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Cultivating that. Yeah. Should we rename this the Scott Alton? The Scott Alton yeah. experience. <laughs> <laughs> He's well, not even on. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Experience. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. When uh, when I first started working at the city, I was trying to talk Scott into doing a podcast. I was like, "Dude, you and me, because I like what would who would be a better person to do a tree podcast with than Altenhoff? Mm-hmm. But that guy has so many irons in the fire. Yeah. It became evident really that. I'm not going to nail him down for one show, much less a weekly show. No you way. Know? <laughs> uh, it'd be great, but he's got more important things to do than waste his time talking to me about trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll and get him yeah. for a phone call now and yeah, then. Oh, yeah. yeah. While. Well, what an honor. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, part of this whole thing is you do it and you realize how easy it is, and it's like, oh, that wasn't, you know. So he, he's pretty motivated, you can tell, yeah. Uh, yeah. to make it happen. So he, he just needed to... Get get a little inspiration from us, you know. Flip the table on him a little bit. There you go. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, next we're gonna talk to Eric a little bit. All right. So our next guest we got on is uh, Eric DeBoard. 
Uh, he's been in the industry for about 20 years. He's uh, from Ohio, and uh, but has been in Oregon for about 20 years as well. Um, you know, he is... Uh, does a lot of work. He's the supervisor of Eugene Urban Forestry, so he really has done a lot of work here locally, uh, taking care of the trees. Uh, but beyond just you know his work in Eugene Urban Forester and Eugene Urban Forestry, he is a uh, old growth climber. He spend you know spends a lot of time in the woods climbing big old trees, um, and so his his experience goes all the way from working in nurseries all the way to giant trees in the woods so i i look forward to the input you got on this um how's it going eric hey doing all right how's everybody doing good 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 excellent excellent so we're going to start off uh by asking a few questions uh and i will i will start it off when did you decide to make arboriculture your career uh, well, yes. Yeah, so thanks for having me on first and foremost. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I would say it was, it was really my early twenties. Um, I had just moved, uh, out to Oregon from Ohio and, uh, you know, started working actually, uh, in the nursery industry here. I was a, a, a tree grower, a propagator. Um, you know, I moved out here really for the outdoor opportunities. I mean, the, you know, I'm an avid backpacker and, and hiker. And, uh, so I, you know, I'd already moved out here for that. And, uh, you know, the forest out here is just so amazing. Uh, and then you couple that with, um, you know, we have a really uh, mild, you know, kind of maritime influenced uh, climate here. And actually, so you can grow this huge palette of trees from all over the world, which is, is really amazing. The, the Willamette Valley is probably one of the best places in the world to grow trees. Um, in fact, the Willamette Valley supplies most of the United States with the starts for most of their trees. So it's a really uh, thriving uh, nursery industry, both for like reforestation trees after they log or for, you know, like ornamental or, um, you know, landscape style trees for more urban landscapes. So uh, really was an awesome place uh, uh, on both fronts. And really I just got uh, immersed into that. And so um, did a lot with that. You know, I worked at like wholesale nurseries. I worked at um, restoration nurseries, uh, growing trees, propagating trees, uh, collecting seeds, collecting cones, just the whole gamut and uh, even was working in a micro propagation lab for a while, actually growing uh, trees and all sorts of things in test tubes. It was really, uh, really pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't too long after I got into that, I really wanted to start climbing trees. And that, um, you know, once I started that, I got hooked pretty quick, um, which is, you know, it was really my uh, interest and appreciation for trees that, that led me to climb. I mean, I was never a rock climber. Uh, never interested in that whatsoever, but, you know, after working for uh, so many years, you know, pruning, structurally pruning small trees, it was really an easy transition to make because it was just a matter of scaling up, right? And, you know, climbing is awesome. It's fun. It's it's a blast. And so it just was a kind of a natural fit. And, you know, it was perfect. I mean, I'm, you know, be really honest, I'm a college dropout. And at that point in my life, I didn't really know what to do. And uh, I've just enjoyed you know, working around trees. I'm, in my free time, I'm, I'm always out in the forest, either, you know, doing uh, rec climbs or, you know, backpacking, uh, you know, cross-country type stuff. So it was really just a, a, a perfect blend. And I just, I just love trees so much, loved working around them. It was, it was a great fit. And, um, 
you know, as far as a career goes, it's, it's taken me all kinds of places. You know, I, I, I kind of joke, like I've been, you know, at the top of an old growth tree, you know, 300 plus feet up in the air, uh, in a hard hat. And I've been literally sitting, uh, in front of a laminar flow hood in a, in a tissue culture lab or a micropropagation lab, uh, literally growing and, and caring for redwoods in, in test tubes. That's and so, amazing. you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to, you know, and I've got a pretty short attention span. I get, I get bored quick, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so that's the thing I really liked about this is they're really, once you get into it and immerse yourself in it, um, there is so much to do in our border culture. I mean, there's just so many outlets, um, whether you lean more towards the academic side or, you know, if you're really fit and you really like to climb, um, there's just all sorts of, all sorts of ways to go. And so, um, you know, for somebody like me, it's been a great career. Nice, Eric. Uh, can I ask you a question? Do you do you have a uh, favorite tree? You know, uh, I was thinking about that, and I was really struggling with that question. And um, I would say this, you know, I'm going to uh, – it might be a little bit of a cop-out, but uh, I'm going to say my favorite collection of trees, right? And um, kind of a specific, pretty specific collection, but um, it's really the – I would say the, the temperate rainforest, the western – uh, slope of the Cascades, kind of that that band of just old growth, that that low to mid elevation old growth <clears throat> that you run into in the Cascades from say a thousand feet in elevation up to between three and four thousand feet, and that that's really like the iconic Pacific Northwest forest. That's that's when you're in there with the the gigantic Doug fir, the the western hemlock, the western red cedars, and we, you know you're you're looking around and, and you're seeing tree trunks that are six, eight, ten feet in diameter and you know, moss that has like been on the forest floor for eons. And, uh, you know, it's just this, uh, amazing forest that's teeming with life. And it's, you know, um, that's how, that's how I kind of like to look at it. You know, it's really hard to narrow it down to a, a single species. And, and honestly, I don't think I could ever even narrow it down to a single specimen. I mean, we have some awesome trees here. The, you know, the, the Owen cherry, um, there's the U of O campus has some amazing trees, but really, uh, I guess my answer to that is just that, you know that that setting of trees or that that uh grouping of trees is really uh where the heart of it is for me i mean that's it sounds that's like really what the, i love about this the whole place. ecosystem yeah. it is yeah it I, is. I was thinking when you were kind of describing it the the image that came to me was just soaking wet moss mm-hmm. yeah you know when i think yep. about kind of that spot i think about <laughs> just wet moss oh. dripping off giant cedar yep. trees yeah. it just <laughs> becomes alive when yeah. it gets wet yep. it gets vibrant and it shines and is it, it's amazing <laughs> it's, a, it's a magical place you know and that's awesome um yeah that's that's really what i love and you know i know um you know you folks have certainly climbed uh, uh big trees in fact we've climbed, climbed uh, together quite a few times at least a few of us have and um yeah, just that feeling that you get out there, you know, you're, you're right. It's, it's an ecosystem and you are just, it's, it's almost like a whole different uh, perspective, right? You're this tiny little organism in this huge, thriving, living uh, ecosystem, and, and especially in the canopy of a tree. I mean, you, you're so insignificant, you know, you're, you're like this little tiny gnat on this giant living being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is a, a, a kind of a trip to, to, to be up there and just be part of that and, yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing, and there's not a lot of places in the world you can do that stuff. You know, the the Pacific Northwest is is a pretty nice mix. You know, you're right there. It's, it's pretty tempered on that 45th parallel. We've got the, the maritime influence, and you know, luckily there were just some places that were too too steep to log, uh, so we still have uh, some of those uh, you know old growth uh, tracks left. 
You know, you know, one of so, the things that I like to think about when I'm climbing the really big trees and spending a lot of time up there is um, is how uh, the the trees breathe in the oxygen that I'm breathing out, and then I, I'm breathing the carbon dioxide that the tree is breathing out, and we're both giving each other life. It's pretty pretty cool yeah. concept when you're when you're you know laying in a tree boat just yeah. relaxing, thinking about the the give and take between different things. You know, it's pretty cool. It, it's a yeah. It's really a a, a good good way to, to lose your sense of self, right? You're 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 there in the moment, and you can really just for for a moment kind of just be there and, and focus. And, and you're absolutely right. It's a it's a give and take, you know, and it, it's just symbiotic, and it, it's amazing. So, uh, yeah. I, All right, that that brings us to our next topic. Uh, how do you access those old growth trees? What what uh, what's your favorite access technique? How do you climb trees? Well, um, yeah, for, for you know, for uh, bigger recreational climbs, um, you know, I'm usually set up with um, you know, of course, uh, single rope, absolutely, just because of the height. So you know, uh, 600 foot spool of rope. Um, you, you don't you know, want dub- to double. You don't want to double rope up a six hundred foot tree. <laughs> no, no. I, well, I, I could body thrust. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's, uh, yeah, you, it's it's shocking to see, but uh, it's pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, and I have a, a petrol. I, I've been using uh, petrol harnesses for years. You know, all the way back to like the old Navajos. Uh, right now, I'm set up with a, a Sequoia a top crawl and you know hand and foot ascender. Um, that's a great setup for, you know, long static climbing. Um, it's, it's a horrible work setup though. So, you know, for work climbs, I still like to, you know, use rope wrench, uh, Haas ascender. Um, but you know, these days I'm in the office a lot, unfortunately. Um, so my, you know, my work climbs these days are pretty few and far, be, far between. So, you don't, you don't wear your uh, harness yeah. in the office. <laughs> <laughs> you can hold a lot of pens on that. Tired your desk. <laughs> the contract's not going to sign itself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. I just hang it on the wall as a reminder of the person I used to be. <laughs> it's a, yeah, at one point, I was cool, right? <laughs> you you say all that, but all these, all the, you know, the fusion videos that we make. Uh, all the stuff we do, Eric's in the tree. He's just behind the camera and all that stuff. So you you can you can try to trick everyone, but you know, right I, arrow, yeah. yeah, I know you still get up in the canopy because I'm there with you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's kind of the next phase, right? The the video thing. I mean, this is this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, the work we did with the rescue rally and and uh, the stuff that's happening right now with tree stuff. Uh, it is awesome, and uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there, and. Um, you know, even at, at work, we talk about it a lot. You know, we have, we really have a need to get our story out, our message out. And, uh, we're the best folks to do that as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, this, this video thing for me, is, it's new, but man, it is just so awesome to, uh, that all this is kind of coming together at one time. And so, yeah, it's, it has been a total blast. I mean, uh, last Sunday when we were filming in the, uh, Big Leaf Maple, it, it was just a great time, you know, that's, uh, and again, like I said, you know, I, I kind of get bored quick. And, and so it's a new thing that I can, uh, latch on to for a while and uh hopefully help out the, the podcast and and kind of help us out at work and see see where it goes from there well we definitely appreciate it you know part of the reason we wanted you on on the first podcast is because you're you're right here with us for most of these episodes any any episode of the podcast where you see video 
uh, a good chance, or the, the see us in the promo videos, a uh, good chance Eric was the guy uh, filming it. Um, and, you know, again, on the Fusion videos and the Rescue Rally videos, uh, you know, you've you've helped us take our game to another level. And, it, it, you know, I I know I'm not doing that stuff. It's It's been awesome to see and kind of learn from you. He makes us look good or halfway, halfway competent, and that's pretty hard. <laughs> uh, it's been uh, it's just a good good opportunity uh, both ways. I mean, it, and it's it's just fun, you know. It's it's great to hang out with you guys, and uh, I don't I don't get to see you in the field, you know, like I used to, and so it's a it's a good way to to still make those things happen. What gear are you wearing these days? Uh, as far as gear, yeah, like I said, the. Uh, um, uh, Pretzel Sequoia, um, uh, Top Curl, uh, Hand Ascender, Foot Ascender. You know, it's kind of a, a setup I've been using for a long time. And, you know, I, I like Pretzel stuff, but, you know, for the longest longest time, honestly, they were the, the only ones making that setup and, and making uh, tools that were that efficient for static climbing. Um, nowadays, there's so much else out there. I mean, there's the, the Rope Runner Pro and there's, uh, you know, all these brands, ISC and DMM, and um, they're just making all this great stuff. So, you know, I have a, um, here at the house, I have a setup for, for three climbers, right? I've got uh, a wife and son that, that uh, climb with me, and, I, of course, I always like to take friends. So I've got uh, a setup for, for th- you know, myself and, and two others, uh, and it's largely, you know, uh, the petrol gear. But I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to – phasing some of that out and trying some of the other things that are out there. You know, it's, um, I've broken a few things and, uh, broke a Grigri not that long ago. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm getting to that point, a couple of helmets have gotten pretty old, just things like that. You know, um, as I replace, I'm, I'm looking forward to using some more of the new, new gear that's out there. You know, um, I, again, I was using the rope runner, um, when I was in the field and, even since then so much has come out so much has changed it's really awesome but it's like that was so impressive i remember that was just such a um uh, revolutionary tool and you know uh, i mean i've been out of the field now for for about two years at least on a regular basis so i'm looking forward to to trying a lot of the new stuff that's that's out there yeah it's you know and like i said i well, go ahead. Oh, I was just uh, saying it, it's crazy how much stuff is out there. One of the themes of cr- across all these conversations has been how much uh, evolution has been in the industry over the last few years and uh, how cool it is to be a part of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's just growing at an uh, exponential rate for sure. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling. Every time I, uh, you know, uh, go to somebody's website, whether it's, uh, you know, Treesoft or Westboro or whatever, yeah, you just – open it up and it's like holy smokes there's been so much that's changed uh even in just a short amount of time it's it's awesome you know the it's just our board culture is becoming so much more professional so so fast yeah. um mm-hmm. you know and i think for you know a lot of us that have worked in eugene you know it, it hasn't always been that way uh you know for better or worse i mean the um arborist of, of 20 years ago let's face it just did not have the tools they didn't have the access um to to climbing gear and i mean even look at some of the lifts that are out there these days uh, that are phenomenal. Uh, you know, they're just, um, yeah, the, the industry is growing and, and just becoming safer, more efficient, you know, allowing, uh, we have these tools now that are allowing folks that want to climb late into their career. It, it's much more of a possibility than it used to be. And that's awesome. You yeah. know, it's, 
let's face it, most people, uh, you know, like the, the diehard climbers, it's a hard thing to stop doing that. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks want to do that, uh, like I said, late into their career. And I've, I've seen folks that are able to, to do that these days. It's just the, the wear and tear is uh, not as bad as it used to be. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, part of the reason we had you on the first episode as well is uh, not only do you do a lot of camera work and stuff for us, um, but uh, we're going to have you do some tree news stuff. Um, I don't know if you want to, I know you had some stuff you're working on that might not be quite ready to, uh, to roll out, but you want to kind of talk about that a little bit and we can uh, see, talk about what that might look like. You bet. Yeah. So uh, the first thing that came to mind um, actually was the fairly recent uh, proposal for the white bark pine, uh, Pinus albicollis, to go onto the endangered species list, um, which is kind of a bittersweet thing. You know, if um, if I really had to be honest, if I, if I did have to pick a, a favorite tree, that would really be uh, close to it. Uh, for a lot of folks that aren't familiar with that tree, it's a, a high altitude uh, five needle pine and it's, it's um, kind of uh, it's endemic to the northwest right but it's very similar in form uh, and age and structure to uh, uh, a bristlecone pine a lot of folks are familiar with those you know they're, they're they kind of have a, a, a legacy of their own you know, a lot of folks have seen those these big gnarly twisted uh, pine trees that grow uh, in California well the northwest has a, an equivalent and it, it is the white bark pine right and these trees are just uh, magnificent old uh, stalwart uh, mountain conifers that grow. They, they are the last tree that you'll ever see at tim- uh, Timberline. I mean, they will go further up than all of the, the subalpine fir, the mountain hemlock. They are literally uh, the last trees just, just clinging onto life, uh, grown out of these uh, cracks in the rocks. I mean, it's, it's, mm. it's totally fascinating to see these trees. Um, and, and unfortunately, they, you know, numbers for, for many years have been uh, uh, dwindling due to uh, uh, a number of things. I mean, climate change being one, um, you know, fire suppression, but uh, most notably white, uh, white pine needle blister rust, which is uh, a fungus that attacks them. And, you know, these, um, these trees are, they're tough in the sense that they'll um, grow where nothing else will want to grow, but Unfortunately, they're, um, you know, the, where, where they grow, they're not exposed to a lot, you know. And so this, this uh, fungus has gone through and really decimated populations in uh, all over the Northwest. It's, it's been pretty staggering. You know, a lot, of, a lot of what you see out there these days, uh, they call them ghost forests, you know, the gray ghosts. They're these kind of bleached out, gnarly old uh, pine trees that, um, I mean, they're, they're literally hundreds of years old. Uh, and, and in some cases, thousands of years old. Uh, it's, wow. I mean, I've, I've seen literally trees where, where branches and themselves are probably 500 years old. Um, they're, you know, kind of notorious for being these windswept uh, trees that are, you know, they may be uh, a few feet in diameter, but probably 15 to 20 feet tall and, and just kind of cling into the mountainside. Um, you know, that they're shaped by wind. It's a, um impressive tree. And so, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. I'm uh, hoping that the proposal will go through. Uh, it, it hasn't yet. There's still a comment period and, and some of the processing that, that is happening with that. But uh, it would actually open those trees up to some, some uh, significant restoration efforts. Um, you know, you know, and it would actually be 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, Eric, I just wanted to say that um, my wife, Sarah, has done some research on the white bark pines. And some oh, nice. cone collection. And, and you know, if you wanted to uh, chat with her about that, and maybe maybe uh, she could be on the podcast for the uh, tree news when, when you want to uh, do that. We'll, we'll definitely need oh, to do that. Is, that. Mm-hmm. that would be a blast. Yeah, she yeah cla- we could do. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, that would that would be great. And I'm sure she's got some uh, probably uh, more up to date information uh, than I do. I, I, does she work for the Forest Service, or she was she was uh, doing some contract work, um, self employed, yeah. but but there was some contract research that the, I believe the Forest Service was hiring. She was probably working for someone that got a contract for the Forest Service. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and I I wouldn't be surprised if they're providing cones to the. Uh, the Forest Service, not uh, nursery down there in Cottage Grove, that uh, mm-hmm. they they do the uh, testing for resistance. Yeah, uh, for needle blister rust. Definitely. So that that could be a good connection to make. Wait, when we do that, we'll have to uh, we'll have to have her on, and uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, it, it it's a small tree world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It is definitely, definitely. Right on. Right um, on. What do you? What do you think? You want to uh, wrap up uh, the white bark uh, section now and just show that for uh, when we can all get together? Yeah, I say we don't get too deep into it now. If we're going to do it later, let's. Uh, it'll be a cliffhanger. So all you uh, white bark <laughs> nerds out there, uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. we'll, we'll keep you hanging. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. More, more to come, and it'll be a good discussion. Actually, there's there's lots of information, so I think it probably deserves a, a you know its own segment. So definitely, that's awesome. Cool, awesome. Well, uh, yeah. First episode of Tree Thinking. Thanks for coming on, man. It's uh, it was great having you on, and I look forward to getting into that a little bit more. It's uh, uh, it it really is. Uh, there's so much that goes on within the tree world, and I think having a little segment where we kind of touch on stuff like the trees that are on the edge of extinction, and you know, I mean, there is so much in the world of trees that we could uh, kind of share some information on that I think people would like. But, you know, and I'm always, always, you know, as a municipal forester, I'm, I'm always happy to come on and talk about uh, policy and, and city code and how it relates. Oh, uh, we'll see, see how many of, your, see I, how many I, of the listeners we can actually put to, put to sleep. So. I, think, I, think, I think we'll shelve those. That, yeah. that content's so hot, I think we're going to have to shelve that for later. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. first yeah. six-hour yeah. podcast it's, will be city code. <laughs> it's, 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 it's getting hot, it's getting hot and steamy in here. we got to throw it down. Uh, right on. I now excuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> sweet well uh thanks well, for thanks coming for on me yeah yeah thanks, definitely yeah, we'll we'll have you on quite a bit more right on eric sounds good i look forward to it and uh yeah thanks everybody cool talk to you soon talk to you later later yeah uh that was great catching up with eric um that guy is full of knowledge he is uh not only does he kind of run things at eugene urban forestry is he a big tree climber he's you know, like he was saying, uh, worked on trees when they're at the very beginning to, to when they're that big, you know, he, he's done a little bit of everything. He's a, he's a master arborist, you know, I mean, uh, just another guy that it's, uh, that I feel so fortunate to have on our, our little show here. I didn't yeah. know that piece about him working in the labs. That's yeah. just when you think, you know, a guy, right? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Debord is demand. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. 
Good, the GoPro is still rolling. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I feel like Viewers at home can know just how much I hate these guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so now we're going to get to a segment that we are going to be doing on a regular basis, the gear review. I have a Fusion floating around? Uh, I a could, truck. Yeah, I got one in the garage. <laughs> Do we want to get one real quick or... I think you know I can what? remember. I, yeah, I think we got enough footage of the fusion. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I don't know. We could use a little bit more of the box and the it's packaging. Just so <laughs> the <Yeah. box. laughs> I've showed that box to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have been uh, lucky enough to uh, test out the fusion. We're going to be given. Uh, well, I guess we already we already took it out. We climbed with it. And we're going to be, we sent the videos to Tree Stuff, so they're going to edit a little thing together. I can't wait to see that. What are you guys' initial thoughts on the Fusion? Uh, so far, I wanted, I like, I wanted to hate it, like, right out the gate. I'm going to just come right out and say that. Of course well, you oh, it, of course it's perfect, because right before uh, we ta- were t- got in talks with them to try it out, you know, I, I got an email like, hey, look out, this new piece of gear is coming out. I was like, hey, Corey, check it out. What are you thinking? He's like, oh, man, that pulley's going to get jammed up. <laughs> yeah. This, this thing, that thing. That thing looks like a piece of junk. Yeah. yeah. And that was legitimately my, my first thought when I saw it. Like, this is an overpriced piece of garbage. Like, who who in their right mind is going to buy this? And then I got it. And I, I, I've only used it on one climb. I'm going to uh, get a chance to use it a little bit more tomorrow. I'm planning on doing a couple climbs with it tomorrow. So I h- hope that. Um, you know, I'll be able to get some good use out of it. Um, but yeah, no, so far it's, it's pretty bomber. They, you know, they, they thought some stuff out. There's a few little gripes I have with it. Um, you know, I would like for my style of climbing with, um, with my, my hoss, I like to attach it to the lower portion of, uh, like a hitch climber pulley. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, it doesn't have a good attachment point and it kind of has to awkwardly like wrap up through my, my, uh, my, my carabiner and everything so that's not ideal and i don't really like that super much but uh you know other than that like it's pretty it's pretty bomber yeah, yeah. i used to attach my knee ascender there <clears throat> now i'll just go to my hip ring you should try that it, it doesn't it doesn't like i I'd need to readjust it it uh-huh. doesn't uh spring back properly for okay me. so it's just it's it's too i like a, a longer pull on it okay if that makes sense yep yep like it's just it's it. just not it's not enough. It's so funny how everyone, like, our bodies are all different. Our legs are different lengths and our, you know, our setup is different. So oh, yeah. It's just, it's kind of like a... It's, a it's probably because he has normal-sized legs and I have, like, little tiny baby <laughs> legs. <laughs> it's probably your fault. Your fault, not your fault. Sorry. <laughs> both. Maybe it's that, both. too. It's, it's both know. of them. <laughs> I've climbed on it all week so far. Yeah, um, that's right. And... I like it. There's something to the stiff tether. You know, people have been making those in their garage for a long time. You know, Rion yeah. Rounds put one out. And people love them. There's something to it. I like it. Uh, the pulley, I think I was tying the newt hitch, and it would kind of get sucked into the pulley when you're trying to, like, pull the slack upwards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just had to change the hitch. No big deal. I like playing around with those anyway. And, you know, figured that out. One thing I don't like is where the tether attaches. I just don't like the metal on metal. It's like this square area. So yeah. my remedy is I'm going to take a little loop of throw line and put it there, just like I have oh. on my yeah, yeah. OG rope runner. Um, that'll take care of that. Uh, where the rope wrench is attached, that point allows it to, like, break 
very easily when you're ascending. So there's like no resistance yeah. on the rope, which is super nice, you know, and then it engages pretty easily because there's a little spring there. So there's mm-hmm. cool stuff. I, I do, you know, another gripe I have with it is that I climb with the hitch climber pulley and my rope wrench. So the hitch climber has a very, you know, s- slim profile where you put the carabiner mm-hmm. on, right? So I tried to put a pear-shaped beaner on the fusion tether. <coughs> and I couldn't. I like to put them on and rotate the carabiners all the way around when I when I clip in. And it just, like, wouldn't do it with a pear-shaped mm. one, which I usually don't climb on, but I just wanted to try it. Right. Yeah. Because even with my, my Rocco's, which I love, I it's there's a little more resistance because it's, it's really fat. But it's not much different from, like, the pulley you use with your rope wrench, I don't think. No, so it... It's not a whole a lot different, but it is a little bit different because I had the same thing with just a normal carabiner with bolt, you know, it just sliding everything through. Yeah. It was just big and fat. It just, you know, it wasn't like a deal breaker by any means, No, but it just felt a little bulky right yeah. there. With the Rocco, it, it just takes a little more effort, but it's, yeah, it, it works. Yeah. Yeah. No, I liked it. I kind of what you were saying as far as how it collapses down and springs back up so easy, it. When you're ascending, it just is smooth as can be. Um, you know, I, was, uh, I I don't use the knee ascender. I have a hand ascender above it. And so I was kind of wondering if there, how the space for kind of going up with that and all the space worked out fine. It, you know, it worked out great. I, I don't have a chest harness. I just bring my lanyard over my shoulder. So it had a, a great spot to kind of connect into that. So there was no resistance pulling it up. Um. I look forward to putting a little more time in into climbing around with it. Uh, to uh, tomorrow, I got a fir tree that I'm going to be climbing, and I'm going to purposefully route the rope, kind of winding around the branches a little bit, because I'm I'm kind of curious with the this you know the aluminum tether if it's going to like weave around the branches going up a fir tree. It's you know there's quite a few branches, so I, I'm going to kind of test it out with that because that was one of the questions. You know, if uh, if I sit back and there's a branch there, you know, what, where a no, normal tether would, like, kind of just bend around it, is that going to become an issue? Yeah. So I, I look forward to kind of putting it through its paces a little bit more tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but so far, I've been really stoked with it. Yeah, so Tree Stuff sent us these to do a review. We do, you know, an initial climb. We're going to do a seven-day check-in and then a 30-day check-in. So right now I've climbed on it for seven days, kind of gave my thoughts. And then I think I'm going to do another week on it. And then I'm going to switch back to my old tether, mm-hmm. you know, for a week and then yeah. go back and then kind of like really That's try, a good to, idea. try to see yeah. the differences there. See if it's worth the money. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, what I, so I, uh, yeah, they want a seven to 10 day review. So I was thinking I'd go and play around in that fur. And when I was at the top of the fur, I might pull my phone out. And just do a little review because I think they just want a quick review there. And then uh, for the 30-day review, Eric was talking about taking it up, going out and filming, going up a big tree with him. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Go up, you know, a 250-footer a and, yeah. yeah, and really see, you know, see how this thing reacts when you, you know, when you put a 100, 150 feet mm-hmm. through it real quick. Yeah. You know, so, Yeah. For me, uh, real quick, my favorite things yeah. about it are the, the spring that we were all talking about. Yeah. That's really exciting. It tends really well, um, and it makes descent a lot easier. I uh, realize that I am running with a 36-inch Prusik 
Oh yeah. Which is it's long. It's wow. a lot of plastic. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I, I didn't was even know they made those. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, you seem shocked. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> it's, it's just it's a lot of you know, and I and because at first you're like, oh, you're just like swing it, you know, make as many. And I I tell you, um, VT. Yeah, VT. So it's just like I'll just keep going until it's. You do like um, and seven wraps and yeah, four braids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I do actually. Yeah. I <laughs> But it's, it's really tall, so it, it does, like, most, and I measured it next to my fix, the Roblogic fix, and it's, like, an inch, a whole inch longer. So for if you do have a longer Prusik, it, it does lend itself a little bit better to that. And that being said, I'm still going to, like, just start using shorter Prusiks, and that maybe I won't have a, an issue. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, but, and then the other thing that makes me really excited about it is that it's all, almost all, right there. You know, I don't yeah. have to, like, put my mouth or put them under my armpit yeah. or in my pocket or put <laughs> them to my saddle as I'm yeah. setting things up and then awkwardly fiddle around and drop things and be like, oh no, I don't look like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and and beyond not looking like you know what you're doing, if you're doing that, you know, yeah. fifty feet up in a tree, you don't drop your stuff and then be, have to be like, Oh, can you can you tie my climbing right. stuff <laughs> online? Exactly. You know? <laughs> so I like that it's all there and um it's just it's ergonomic, it's lightweight. Um uh so I'm so far I'm a I'm a big fan. Yeah, um, me too. I I went into it thinking like you know it's just a tether. You know it's kind of like try out this carabiner. Uh, you know how much am I? How much is one going to be different than the other? But I've been pretty stoked with it. You know it, it it you know how smooth it is. How how all it's all compact like you're saying that all just makes a really a really slick piece of kit. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks, Notch. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look forward to putting <laughs> more hours on it. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Time will tell. Uh, yeah. As far as gear gear review, I'll give it the uh, the old two thumbs up. Yeah, you know I like it. Let's let's hold off. I still yeah. have a little bit of hate in my heart for it. Yeah. Or he's giving but it one thumb up. I'm, I'm yeah. giving it one thumb up. A tentative <laughs> thumb sideways. Maybe we'll get a thumb up. Actually. Which oh which is a stellar review from Corey. That's so. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's stone cold. That, that's my, that's yeah. my review for one of my favorite pieces of gear. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think I think that's what we got for the gear review. And right now, we would usually do final thoughts. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like final thoughts are really appropriate for the uh, for an introduction episode like this. So instead. Uh, Let's go around and uh, let's just kind of talk about what kind of what your hopes for the podcast are. What do you hope to get out of it? You know, what what do you think we're offering to people? Any anything that you want to reflect on about the podcast? Uh, well, I, I look forward to learning more about, um, you know, the industry and what people's interests in the industry are. Look forward to meeting new people and hearing stories about kind of what they've learned or what they've experienced. Um you know, here here in Scott's story about rappelling down into a oh man a cavity that's two hundred feet tall is pretty extraordinary. I mean that stories like that really get me going. Yeah, it makes <laughs> you want to go find a, a big cavity to crawl. In. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just just having time to you know enjoy an, an evening talking about trees with good people and it's a healthy activity and. We can share some good good knowledge, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Friday Friday night uh, uh, extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to like just plugging more into the arborist community. You know, uh, one of my first, the first time I was ever exposed to the arborist community was just like, wow, these are just great people all the way around. And like just being able to, you know, interact with them and, you know, give, share a little bit of knowledge that I have and then glean all the knowledge that, you know, there is, uh, uh, you know, communitively out there. Um, that's really what I'm looking for uh, coming into this podcast. I think it's going to be a, a great experience. Yeah, for me, I'm uh, excited to learn more, um, to share what I do now, and um, meet some cool people, some good arbs, and uh, you know, uh, keep keep the passion going for people. And um, you know, as new gear comes out and new experiences uh, arise, we you know, it's it's an awesome community, and uh, I think just connecting us in any way and uh, keeping us passionate about what we do is, you know, that's the main goal for me here, and um, yeah, so I'm excited. This is great. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to new people, sure. Um, do cool stuff. Like, last weekend, we got to go out and all climb together. You know, I want to keep doing other projects like that. Um, on a personal level, I'm, I'm lucky enough to like film and edit some stuff with this podcast, which is something I love. So it combines two things that I love trees, filming and editing, just kind of, uh, it's a new like spark, you know? Yeah. And, uh, awesome intro. Speaking of which, man, the filming and editing you've done, people should go check that out. It, it, it makes us just goofballs look like we know what we're doing. <laughs> so he's a freaking wizard. <laughs> You've been writing killer intros, though. I got your theater voice to go on. It's my podcast voice. He's got a voice and a face for radio. He just speaks the truth. He just speaks the truth. Yeah, what about you? You know, it's uh, fun just getting together and hanging out and kind of building community. Uh, I really look forward to talking to people, you know, talking to guys like Dan and Scott. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because part of the reason this came about, I think, is because of the pandemic. You know, all of us are in a situation (laughs) where we're not doing anything. And so, uh, you know, we were kind of part of the same bubble anyway. So it's like, hey, you know, we have these conversations, let's just record them and see what happens. And, you know, this could be a kind of situation where we're taking lemons and making lemonade. Cause if we go from a situation where we can't hang out with people to where we're going and meeting all these awesome people within the industry and expanding our knowledge and our, you know, community, uh, I think that is really cool. Um, and it, I'm just excited to see how far it goes. You know, I mean, it's, we haven't, released any of our episodes yet and yeah. it's already gone far farther than <laughs> i had ever imagined you know um it, it it's been a lot of fun networking with everybody um and so yeah yeah i uh yeah i'm just real excited to see see what comes of it i don't really have a lot of expectations as much as i uh i look forward to kind of the unknown let's see what happens you know 
you're making me think about when we first tried to record. It'd be like at work with our Senna's Yo. connected to some <laughs> app that recorded us. There's like yeah. traffic and chainsaws. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, we gotta fire up the chipper. Yeah. No. We're Stop like, this talking. could be cool. It could be like uh, guys at work talking. <laughs> 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 the podcast. Yeah. Well, and man, I I gotta see if I can't find any of that because it's yeah, that'd great. Be fun to put up. It, yeah. It's great content and material. Yeah. Only there's trucks and chainsaws. <laughs> I mean, I would fast forward to those parts. Yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome. Like one minute and 20 seconds in is where they fire the jeeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to find that. And then we'd just come over on the back porch, and it'd be all of us with, like, one crappy mic yeah. on the table, and we'd just be bullshitting. And be like, one person you could barely hear, and then one person would be super loud and you know, so that just one person was always you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's my radio voice. <laughs> it, uh, I don't know. It, like I said, it's already totally different and way more than I thought it was when we when we first started recording with our sons yeah. on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> so I just am excited to see yeah. where it goes from here. You know, yeah. thanks Always. for really pushing us to do this, man, and yeah. Uh, yeah. being persistent. And oh, um, hey. I'm, Thank I'm you guys. Still, yeah. Yeah. Thank if you, you for coming it, along. They will come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I just had to uh, hook you all with the captain hook. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> we got it. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, the line has been set. Yeah. The line has been set. All right. Well, uh, you know, on, on that note, I guess we'll uh, sign off. So, uh, every, call it a wrap. Call it a wrap. So, everybody stay safe. And watch your top knot. See ya.